Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to another beautiful episode of Conversations with Z and the crew. And Z, today we're talking about how we're we're all in this together. And what I mean by that, we're in this crazy world, which is tribal, which is politically divided. You take any issue, whether it's around race or it's around gender, socioeconomic status, and it seems like we've gotten to a point where we can't not only can we not agree, I think it's fine not to agree. We can't even have the discussions. As I've been doing my project and getting some of my music and my views out there, what's interesting is that the reactions, no one wants to engage. No one wants to learn. No one wants to listen. They just all want to beat their point of view down, shove it down, might the road, assert their ego. And in some cases, if you try and have a discussion, there are some people who might be more amenable. They get angry. They get hostile. You know, I feel like that's a mark of not being able to, I'm not sure what the right word is, but if we had a test, you know, a test for whether you are open-minded, for whether you're willing to search for the truth, part of that test has got to be you're willing to listen to other points of view without a gut reaction where you want to knock someone out or you want to put a bullet in their head. And that's the point that we've gotten to. And when I look at this, and as we've talked about it, everyone looks at these situations from their own vantage. So depending on your life experience, depending on what you've gone through, what your people have gone through, what your tribe say is the right thing to believe, that shapes your view of the world. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that per se, in the sense that we're all shaped by our experience. Truth is provisional. So we've got some idea of what reality is. We can share our experience, and that's true to a point, and it doesn't mean that everyone else has to buy into it. So just talking from our experience, I don't feel like there's an inherent problem with that, but somehow we forget that everyone else is doing the same thing, that we're all in this together, we're all rowing in the same direction. Ultimately, you strip away the differences in life experience. What do people want? They just want to live. You know, you want to get through this life. You want to spend some quality moments with your family. You want some peace of mind, some sense of accomplishment. All of the things, Z, that we've talked about again and again, regardless of the culture, regardless of the era, that's what people want. You want that stability, that foundation. You see it when people are around friends or they're around children. They just relax. They light up. They, they feel safe. Uh, you sent me a book that I've been getting into, a discussion between Oprah and I believe the other person is a neuroscientist where they're talking about trauma and how for us to function, we need to feel safe. We need to feel validated. We need to feel connected to other people. These are basic conditions for life to thrive. This is the soil in which a productive life grows from. And it's universal. Uh, It's universal. It's not something that is particular to the right or the left or to black or to white. And to the extent that we come to this world with different ideas about how to live or about how to make decisions, at some point, in my view, we have to step back and recognize that even though 
our experience might be different, our objective is the same. Uh, we want that solid foundation. We want to feel content. We want to feel safe. And to the extent that we feel like someone else is attacking us, there's a reason for that. Uh, one of the interesting notes that came out of this book that you shared with me, when uh, children, for example, are in, in, in school and they have a violent reaction, a teacher comes up and they, in some cases, children have been very traumatized, will react in a hostile way. So they'll, they'll feel threatened by a teacher because, for example, he reminds them of a father who's abusive and they'll lash out and they'll swear. And this is the primitive part of the brain, which is just firing all of these warning signs. You're in danger, you're in danger. So that rational part can't even think. You can't even get to the point where you can check yourself because the primitive part is taking over. And instead of recognizing that and asking, why is this happening? What is the underlying cause? The assumption oftentimes is, oh yeah, th this happened for no reason, or this happened because the person is totally irrational, or they're just fucked up in some way. Or worse, we turn this into a narrative about how some groups of people are just fundamentally lesser than other groups of people. And to me, that doesn't make any sense. You know, when I look at life, there are reasons for everything. They might not be reasons that we agree with, but there is some underlying cause. And this gets us back to Buddhist philosophy, which looks at cause and effect and how everything is connected. So if people are acting out, if they're doing things that seem irrational, if they're doing things that ultimately seem counterproductive or seem insane, let's dig in. Let's at least hear their story. Let's try and understand. And that's a, that's a starting point. If we want to solve the problem, if we want to move forward together, which we have to because we live in a society and we're all dependent to some extent on each other, it's in our collective best interest to lift each other up so that we can all move forward together. We have to understand those underlying conditions. And this brings us to another foundation of Buddhism, which is this idea of compassion, which again is looking at people as not being that different, as ultimately wanting the same things, even if our approaches are different because we have different life experiences, we have different training. Maybe in some ways we just look at the world incorrectly, but the underlying impulse is the same. And if the impulse is the same, that gives us some common ground. It gives us a space in which we can relate to each other, in which we can build, in which we can listen to each other and get past whatever differences we have. Or maybe we even maintain those differences, but at least we understand them. And in that understanding, a lot of the visceral reactions, the anger, uh, the violence, those fade away because you can understand where someone is coming from. You don't feel like they are a threat. You, once you have that understanding, the situation feels more manageable. It feels more predictable. It's something that we can relate to. Instead of viewing a certain group of people as either they're insane, they're out of their mind, uh, they're savages, they're thugs, uh, whatever the case may be. So, I think this is a very interesting topic, and Z, I want to get your your views on this, because as human beings, we've always got that tension. We've got that tension between our lower impulses, which are more animalistic and savage and focused on self-preservation, and we've also got this higher consciousness, and this higher consciousness is our ability to step back from ourselves, look at situations objectively, relate to other people, recognize the commonality across the human condition. And we can use that to keep more of the primal urges and the primal instincts in check. 
but it feels like we've lost that ability to relate to the higher consciousness. And I don't know if it's just this period in time, it's this period in human evolution, whether it's something cultural, but maybe start with that. How have we gotten to the point where we've lost this higher perspective and we've lost even the desire to relate to other people? It somehow feels more satisfying to beat them down than to try and understand where someone else is coming from. Well, Vin, I really um, am, am pushed to think deep about this discussion we're having. Human beings um, are an interesting species that is you know, the, one of the, the last of the surviving hominem uh, species. We are able to influence our own evolution through our acts, our action, and with the intention uh, we put out. We can actually influence the way that our DNA acts upon our bodies. We can alter our environment to benefit us or to deprive us, or we can, we can dice it up so one group benefits and the other group suffers. We can, we can promote life on this planet and we can kill off everything on the planet. There are two buttons. There's the green and red button. We can hit the green button and we can grow trees. We hit the red button and launch a nuke. Human beings are very interesting creatures. And we're at a place in history now, at this point where we're at, where many of us get to witness the, the failings of free will because we have freely chosen to act and behave the way we do. And I say we, all of us, the collective we. You look at some of the things going on in common media, to what degree it affects the planet of 8 billion, it's all subjective. But this little topics of the day that people talk about that are constantly tending and teasing and fertilizing the seeds of hate and divisiveness, which leads us to how it affects the individual. As you said, there's a primitive part of us that when that part is alerted, it's a fight or flight binary mechanism. Uh, I'm going to be killed or I'm going to kill. So that's being triggered all the time. When that is triggered all the time, we're not really evolving. We're not growing. We're innovating in order to adapt to a constant threat but that uses up a tremendous amount of biological energy to do that. It uses a tremendous amount of emotional energy. So as I listen to you and I, I reflect upon things of the day, I want to speak to our audience. And it reaffirms what we're saying all the time, opt out, opt out, opt out. Let's choose another path. Someone told me today that there was no middle. There's no middle path. And um, I don't agree with that because I do follow some of the classical philosophies to strive for the middle path. That humanity has always been in this between heaven and hell, between heaven and earth, so to say. And that's where we, we abide by when we're human. To When you take one side, you blind the other. As is said in yin-yang. In yin, there's a little yang. In yang, there's a little yin. So when you say you're on one side, there is, then that side doesn't exist anymore. 
So you need two sides in order to reference yourself. And that goes into the idea of our higher functions, which are empathy and compassion, not there just for uh, you know, uh, roses and gumdrops and happy days are here to come, but it's how we grow because we can see ourselves in the situations of others. We can feel their plight. We can imagine their plight and we can make adjustments. When we can't do that, there's no reason to flourish. There's no reason to grow. Uh, the prime directive then has a different immediacy. I need to kill or be killed, and that's where we're at. I was uh, talking to a dear student of mine and friend, uh, Rosa, this morning, and we were sharing some thoughts about the conditions of the day, how, as we've talked about before, why can't we speak to each other anymore? Because everybody's on guard. That's why. The various types of pronouns and all these other things that people are demanding that one states before we can even greet one another because we're, on the, we're already ready for hostility. So she showed me a letterhead or something that says, what is your pronoun? I mean, why do I even have to do that if we're just two human beings that are bound by the forces of gravity and need air to breathe and need water to drink? Can I just share with you from a, a warm-hearted place my limited observation of your life and then as we get to know each other then we can explore that so what's doing that does is we don't even get to know each other because if I have to do all that just to greet you then you're an enemy you're an adversary I'm not going to meet a friend I'm going to have a diplomatic sit down with the warring side so now we're war diplomats I don't want to do that too much energy. I'd rather be with people I know and friends. So then that promotes more tribalism. That limits our scope of learning and, and growth. And there are many issues. You know, there, there, there have the rioting, uh, the truckers or something going on. And for people who support that, these are the same people that felt that Black Lives Matter or any other civil rights or human rights protesters should not protest, they should shut up, they should comply. I mean, I literally heard this a few years ago. Why don't they just do what they were told? There wouldn't be any problems. Now, these people aren't doing what they're told, and they're being lionized. So we don't have any more, we no longer have any clear pathway through. So there's, in that sense, there is no middle. The middle path has been blockaded. So for the average one of us who just wants the same as everybody else, it is very stressful to see the constant tension, negative tension. The pressure is very great for us. We have to scurry about and look for schools for ourselves. A dear friend was telling me that her daughter is being introduced to highly sexual material at nine years old. At nine years old questions and curiosities that are troubling enough for an adult, but let, let alone a young mind developing. So she has to find other ways to educate and protect her child because the collective us is no longer the collective us. It's us versus them. It's you're on that side or that side. I'm in the same dilemma with my younger children. We're working now on building a school so we can promote education in a way that they seek knowledge and they grow their minds 
in a, uh, in, in, in a modest, healthy way. What I mean by that, children are like plants, like growing trees. When they're seedlings, they need a certain type of care and clarity for their growth. Once they're strong and rooted, they could explore many things. But we have to get them to that place yet before we can let them go. But in, in a world that we live in now with just a general lack of empathy and compassion for one another, you can't imagine yourself in the other person's shoes. Um, you don't want to. It's not encouraged. So people get into right and left politics. You have feudalism on one side and feudalism on the other. But each side thinks their side is, is the right way because we can't take a breath anymore. For those people, I should say, for the, those I think they can't take a breath anymore and say, could you put yourself in those positions? I'll share something with my audience in a minute. People can chime in. You know, oftentimes at the bottom of a lot of these conversations is the issue of race. Race is false. Race doesn't exist. If I've said over and forth, if we were other, if, of other races, if we were different, unique species of homonyms, we couldn't breed with one another. We, we couldn't have babies together. We couldn't mate. The parts wouldn't fit. So we are a common species with cultural differences. Those tribal differences have caused us to respond to our environment different. That's it. But we can connect with each other. We can love one another. We can produce offspring together. Then you add culture and the various dogmas of culture, good or bad. Then you add the tendency to be tribal because human beings are very limited in their scope of familiarity. I think they say on average a human being can handle 150 people in their social groups. So tribes are built around that 150 or so people that we identify as our group. And children have shown that that group is very fluid. Children can't even tell the difference. When they describe people by how they treat them. It is the parents then have to say, don't trust that person, they're Chinese. No, my friend's Filipino. Mom, what do you mean they're Chinese? Well, it's the same thing. Well, actually, it's not. Or that's, that's a black one, that's a white one. So we have to teach the kids to set them, prime them for hate. We prime them for hate. We don't prime them for union. We prime them for hate. And then as they go through their own life experiences, that priming can either light a fire or it can fizzle out based on their experience. Why people don't want their children around different types of children, right? Still goes on. I share experiences that everyone has had. You know, when that guy, Ahmaud Arbery, was killed. Just going to get into this whole thing of the stress that we get. The immediate reaction of most people is in some way he deserved to be killed. Many of the people that I spoke to before they, the, the video came out said he deserved to be killed. Once the video came out, People said very little because their narrative was only a narrative, a singular one-sided narrative with no middle that said he must have been doing something wrong. He must not have been complying. Well, all came out that these people had a history of 
extreme hatred. They were hunting down people, looking for an opportunity. It's all come out now. But nobody has come out and says, you know, I was wrong. I remember years ago having discussions about the young boy who was hunted down by George Zimmerman, and everybody spoke for him. The boy was dead. He could never tell his side of the story. Trayvon Martin was dead. He could not tell his side of the story, and there was no video. So people had a running narrative, especially in the conservative media, on why he be this George Zimmerman became a hero of the conservatives, sadly enough, because I believe that conservative and liberal people are not, they all want the same thing. Everybody wants the same thing. That's what we're talking about today. We have maybe different ways that we shape it, but we all want the same thing. I just want to know at the end of the day my kids are okay. I, I really, it's really that simple. It's really that simple that my loved ones are okay. I think that's what most people want. But it's this fear of others that we start to act out. We do all this. So I, I, it really hits me, but I've managed that over the years because I have empathy for those who don't share my view. I, I get it. I get why they don't. They didn't go through that experience. I've had that experience many times of being accused or assaulted by law enforcement with an impotent and ineffective judicial system when they would then cover it with symbolism and, and flags and say, this is a wonderful system. This is a wonderful, just system. Not for me. Not for people that look like me. So I can't, in the most intimate place in my heart, feel connected to that if I have intelligence. Now, if I'm a fool, if I believe that I should be a beast of burden, if I believe that the words of the eugenicist that I am not quite human, if I believe that, then I'm okay with that. And there are people that are okay with that. There are people who are very okay with subjugating themselves to failed science because they've been beat down, dragged down, tormented so much. And then when you hear the narrative of the constant victim or oppression narrative, nobody wants to be a part of that. I wouldn't want to be that person. I want to walk down the street. I don't want the police baby to kill and murder my babies with no uh, repercussion and no consequence to their action. And it happens all the time. People say, no, it doesn't. You know, the videos are out now. Now the videos are out. There's so many videos out now, you, can't, you couldn't watch them if you sat there all day, 24-7, downloading videos of judicial abuse, extrajudicial executions. My God, they just threw a baby out of a car the other day and slammed it on the ground and broke its face and then told the paramedics to just give it back to the parents. A three-year-old girl was shot in the head in some wild shooting, and people immediately said, well, what the parents do? I don't know. What should the parents do to get a three-year-old shot? What, what, what threat was that three-year-old? And I said, well, it must be a good, there is no good explanation. Because when you no longer see people as human beings, you don't have empathy. Nobody cried tears for that baby. I heard some weird statistic today that I think Native American women go missing a, th a thousand a, a, a year or some bizarre number that nobody cares well, let's tell you the truth. I don't care because I didn't know him. Do you care? Do you really care? No, we didn't know him. Oh, you know, I know one or two Native Americans. They got a couple of friends. Eh, yeah, whoop, don't care. That's, that sounds crazy. 
But that's who we are. Let's be honest. We don't care about the Uyghurs in China. But if you close your eyes and, and think about the society you're a part of creating, you may not care about them, but you'll care about them. And what I mean about that is you see causality. You see the connection that we have to one another, our behavior, our attitude, our common shared humanity. But it requires empathy and compassion. When you have that, it doesn't just serve others. It serves you so you can help navigate the hellscape that we find ourselves in at some time. Because you wonder, how can people do this? How can we behave in such a way? And then you turn the mirror on yourself, you know, because I'm a part of the problem. It took a drop to start the sea. One drop started that ocean. We're one drop. We're part of all of this. And if we work on ourselves a little more when we hear these stories and you feel helpless, with a, with a straight spine and strong shoulders, just open your heart to understanding. And you'll start to see why people think the way they do. I, at the same time, protect yourself at all times, as they say in boxing. You don't want to be the, a, a, a casualty of a social experiment going wrong. You don't want to go there and be the one that tries to shake the lion's hand and get eaten. Because there are truly horrible people out there, made horrible by ignorance. Whether you support the truckers or Black Lives Matter, I personally don't like more traffic. So if you're involved in any of that, please don't block the highway because it's just hard enough getting point A to point B. Now, the, the point I'm making in that is, when people are doing that, they're trying to draw your attention to something. But for the average one of us, my attention is on what? Just getting home to my family. And I don't often have the bandwidth to get involved in a bunch of other stuff because life is hard. And I want to get to something easy. So for whatever side you're on, Try to look at what caused the issue that they're dealing with. And it may be ridiculous, but if you just knee-jerk saying this is good and this is bad, you're part of the problem. Some people don't even take the time out to look at the opposing view, to look at how your actions have affected another. When we got into this whole Kofifi pandemic Thing. We talked about it at the beginning. And I feel like at this point, it was, the, it was a, a kind of a sick social experiment to see how many hoops the public would bounce through. And the public is very compliant. And many of the people who protest masks are the very people that yell very loudly that people should immediately comply to any, mount, any type of indignities visited upon them by people in authority. And that's, that's, and this is weird because I don't think they see that. If you're for protest, remember now when people were doing civil rights protests, they were hated. Let's go back and look at the media of the day. Martin Luther King was hated by the very people that quote him now. When those water hoses were peeling the skin off people, people got erotically aroused watching the skin peeled off people because they were hit with water hoses. 
These were unarmed people who just couldn't take it anymore, but they had enough compassion and hope for humanity that if they yelled, screamed, cried, blood, and sacrificed their children to homicidal maniacs, that the world would see that, feel sorry for them, and through the force of boycott, financial sanctions, force this nation to treat people as human beings. People died for the, even the semblance of basic human liberties. The people that took those liberties suffered nothing. The people that impose indignities and challenges, they suffer nothing. Everything won for human rights was won through great sacrifice, bloodshed, imprisonment. Everything taken was simply like a thieves' bazaar. They just grabbed and picked it up with no sacrifice. Ask yourself, what will these people sacrifice for what they're seeking? Well, we know what happened to the civil rights people and human rights people all over the world. They risked their life and often are martyred. And ask yourself, too, if you're involved in this, is it worth your life? Is it worth your life? We did that before. So I think for those of us who opt out, empathy and compassion and developing that will give us tools and keys to understanding, even when it's bizarre. Like the, for me, many of these things that are going on are very bizarre. As I've said before, and, and, and you've heard me all say it again, I think one of the ways that we can bring more harmony amongst the people we interact with in our day is if we practice a certain type of courtesy, and humility where we keep our sexuality and our religions to ourselves. Keep it to yourselves. And when you hear things that you don't like, ask yourself, are you entitled to like everything you hear? Are you entitled to everybody being in sync with what you say? Do you feel threatened and challenged because someone has an opposing view or life experience than you and they see it different? Then you're the problem. If you don't understand the culture that you're in and from the sides of people who are negatively affected by it, and then you see an outburst or some sort of upswell of emotions or someone getting a boot off their neck or resisting, if that makes you upset, then it's, it's, it, it would be you do yourself a favor by meditating and to calm, and you could see that you could see from another perspective. For those of you who believe there's only one side, understand then that one side becomes the whole. Then you will have to bisect that one side. Now you still have two sides. Are you a left-winger or left-wing extremist? Are you a right-winger or right-wing extremist? We know where that, that leads. How about I just don't want to be a part of any of this? How about we think for ourselves and surround ourselves with like-minded people that share our common sentiments and idea about life. And you'll find that that tribe will be a more exploratory tribe. It'll look for things. It'll, it'll be an innovative tribe. It'll be an inventive tribe. It'll be a much more peaceful tribe. Again, the world is on the brink of war. Constant rumors of war. For what benefit? Here in California, they're going to raise the price of gas they expect to $7 a gallon because of the Ukraine crisis. Are we falling for that again? 
And someone was trying to explain to me why that was going to happen. And I just say, please don't, because I've been around this stuff since before the Arab oil embargo. And everything, anything that happens in the world, the price of gas goes up. Even when the price of gas went down to zero dollars a barrel, they said, because the price of gas is so low, we're losing money, we're going to have to raise the price of gas. That's what they said. The gas is so cheap, we're going to have to raise the price of gas. Do you understand how that sounds? Can you make sense of that? Can anybody make sense of that? So now you're going to come back. Now it's going to find, no, it doesn't make sense. During the Bush administration, they said that we were strategically independent of Middle Eastern and European oil. What happened to that? Someone told me that Texas makes all the oil the United States will ever need. What happened to that? But because they pitted us politically into these camps, we're all manipulated. We really think there's some legitimacy to it. There is no legitimacy. What happens is these big oil companies make billions and billions of dollars. And <clears throat> I think, you know, I'll talk to Vin later about investing in oil stocks. Because they're going to do well anyway. No matter what happens to us, they do well. The only time they don't do well is when we're doing well and we're not driving around. Remember during the pandemic when nobody was driving? They said, oh, it's really hurting the oil market. No, it didn't hurt me at all. I didn't spend a penny on gas. How does that hurt us? See, but we can't think anymore because we're being led around like cows with a, uh, you know, with, with, with a bit in their mouth or something. And we just, we just keep parroting this stuff with no thinking from our favorite propagandists. Well, whoever our favorite propagandists, some people don't listen to other propagandists. They only listen to one stream of propaganda. So just consider all this and, and use some of the common examples we see of conflict. Why don't certain people trust the justice system? Well, the videos have come out of justices speaking their mind freely. They shouldn't be justice. Well, why don't people trust medicine? Well, you've seen paramedics who said they wouldn't work on certain people. Doctors who didn't uh, had certain racial views or social views so they wouldn't care for certain patients. The videos are out now. So for all the people who say this doesn't happen, it can't happen, it's not true, it's not on, it's so abundant that you could make three or four TV shows, right, Caitlin, with just endless streams of people in the public square that shouldn't be there because of their hatred towards the groups they serve. And so for those people, we're for, we're, who've, been, who've experienced some of these things, I'm for the deconstructing of these systems. I'm for heavy-handed repercussions to people who violate their codes of conduct and oaths they've kept. Severe punishment, more so than for the average person. I think a judge that betrays that, that, um, that position should get triple the penalty for whatever they've been doing. Because they've, a doctor who betrays the Hippocratic Oath should be held to an extreme standard. And if we did a social experiment to do that, we would see things change overnight. Because if we can't choose empathy and compassion, then in some way we have to restrain ourselves as a species so we can move forward and not consume one another. You follow me, Vin?
Yeah, yeah, I follow you, Z. When I listen to what you're saying, and I just think about everything that we're going through, it's interesting to me. Here's what I think about a minimal standard. So we could talk about the ideal, and maybe in some ideal state, if people are sufficiently evolved, we get to a point where there's mutual understanding, there's an interest in in our brothers and sisters, there's an interest in different backgrounds. There's a sense that people have gone through hardship. We're all suffering in different ways. Let's try and understand our differences. But let's put that aside for a second. And let's just talk about the bare minimum standard that I think we need to to collectively survive. We've talked about trust as a foundation of a relationship. And trust doesn't mean necessarily that someone has to act in your best interests. It could be that they are actively trying to take you out or harm you. But the trust comes because there's some predictability. You know what they're going after. You know what they care about. You know what you care about. And because of that, you can manage the relationship. What bothers me the most about the current situation is that there's, it feels like there's no honesty. There's no self-awareness. There's no sense of what our standards are or where we're coming from versus where someone else is coming from. If it's true that we don't want the government to take away our rights, why not believe that other people are going to want the same things? Why look at our situation as unique? You know, recognize that everyone strives for the same thing. So if we expect others to act in a certain way so that they don't inconvenience society, so that they don't block traffic, Z, as you're saying, it cause more delays so that there aren't repercussions from, from protests so that we all feel safe. We should extend the same standard to ourselves and say, okay, we're just going to go along with whatever the rules are. Or if we're not going to do that, if we're going to come out and we're going to fight, we should expect that other people are going to fight as well. What bothers me the most, it feels like we are in this point of massive self-deception where we've somehow convinced ourselves that we're unique. And this goes against the the standard that we talk about a lot on this podcast, the idea that that we're not that interesting, uh, that we've got 8 billion people, we've got 10 different stories. Everyone is a different variant of some common template of 10 different patterns. Life stories aren't that different. The struggles aren't that different. There are examples of people who've gone through the same thing. We can learn from their example. We can learn what to do. We can look at other examples and learn what not to do. But ultimately, people are people. And even if we could recognize that and then say, okay, I recognize that we're all striving for the same thing. I'm also selfish, so I also don't care about the masses. I only care about myself. But I don't have any expectation that others are going to extend me courtesy if I'm not extending them courtesy. I don't have any expectation that the world is going to fit my ideal of reality, that it's going to accommodate me. I mean, maybe this gets back, Z, to entitlement and this sense that other people have to accommodate us or we're sitting in the center of the universe and our struggles are unique, our struggles are valid, our struggles are about something fundamental. 
whereas everyone else, they're crazy or they're lunatics or there's there's something just fundamentally wrong with them. That minimal standard to me seems like if we could guess, get past that and just be transparent about how we behave and be transparent about the fact that we're not... I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. I, mean, I almost feel stupid saying it because it's such an obvious point. You know, I feel like this is a conversation I would have with a, a three-year-old kid that the world doesn't revolve around you, that there are millions of others in this country. There are billions of others on this planet. It's a complex system. It's not designed to one person's benefit. And yes, we see ourselves as the center and that's just the nature of consciousness and that's the nature of ego. We're going to put ourselves first. But we also need the intelligence to, to recognize that other people are doing the exact same thing. And given that they're doing the exact same thing, that affects our expectations of how they're going to behave. That affects our interactions, even if fundamentally we don't care about them, like we don't care. Z, you said about the, the Uyghurs. I think that was a comment some venture capitalist made. Or we don't care about the Amazon burning down. We can at least recognize that other people do and that we don't have a monopoly on what's right and what's not right and what's a legitimate cause versus not a legitimate cause, uh, that if we have a certain standard for ourselves, other people might have that standard about themselves, even if that puts us in opposition. That gives us a path forward. That gives us a way to relate to one another, to coexist. We may not love each other, but we can get along with that mutual understanding. Am, am I thinking about this the right way? I mean, I feel like if if all we can do is rip away this this veil of self-delusion and this idea that the rest of the world is insane and we are pristine, that would go a long way to correcting these these issues. I think you're absolutely right. I was thinking about a few things when you were talking, Vin. Um, what I always like to do and, and what we know with this is our our mission and our objective is to mitigate human suffering. We talk about these issues to titillate the brain and stimulate intellectual discourse, which is really healthy for the brain. It's healthy for cognitive function. It helps us find our way to a more healthy uh, way of approaching life and, and a, being on a, on a path of uh, emotional, spiritual, mental, and physical well-being. And so it, it started out as a thinking project. I just want us to think about things. I'm not saying we have answers. We're sharing thoughts and ideas and, 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 and basically the algebra of intellect so we can figure this thing out. And there's a game that they were saying, when the cognitive people say this game of Sudoku. I've never played it, but they said it's really good for the brain. I don't know if anybody's ever played Sudoku or something. What is it? Like checkers or something? Yeah, but it's with numbers. Okay. And it, and it is like Okay, so that's supposed to be really good to exercise the brain. I would say any of these challenges are good. I would take anybody and say, let's say you're caught up in, in, in the political climate of the day and that's your hobby or you've just been caught up into it. I would say take five people you admire on your side and five people you hate on the other side and overlay the things and behaviors they've exhibited and see how different they really are. But the challenge is going to be when you look at your side, you're going to tend to have favor for them. Know that and then subtract your favor that you want your side to be the best side. And really see their behavior, the words they've said, the things they've done, the contradictions in their line of speaking and speech. Play that type of social Sudoku 
with them. And you will find that, again, the political class is filled with sociopathic people that don't have any of our interests at heart. When you listen to your media outlet, I would say you trust that media outlet. Why do you trust it? Because it is saying what is comfortable for you. Go somewhere that you are uncomfortable with because it's through discomfort that the intellect is truly stimulated. So that will help refresh your prefrontal cortex to deal with a few challenges. The challenges of reasoning and logic, the situational algebra you've created to justify your side. It will also uh, force you into a deductive reasoning mode. That's another form of calculus. So this is good for your brain. And then eventually, once you do that, you will have broken free from the bonds you have to any singular narrative in a world that has a multi-narrative world. You can't have a singular narrative. And so this will help. So if you guys are real liberal and all this kind of stuff, look and see the end result of that. When people follow this kind of so-called left or liberal path to its full conclusion, where do you end up? You follow the right path. Where do you end up? If you follow the right wing uh, conservative with the way America used to be and everybody fits in their right boxes, where would that lead people? Who would define what those boxes were? And how good really was it for who? Maybe it was good for you. Might not have been good for somebody else. So that will start to trigger the pileal gland in the brain that helps us to cultivate empathy. That empathy then triggers higher function in the prefrontal cortex so you can actually see and, and experience through proxy another person's life that leads to compassion. And with that, it gives you a better fix on the world we live in. You have a better sense of prey and predator, uh, uh, assailant and assaultee. You see all of these different angles of life. Your, your horizons are broad. Your mind is refreshed. The world looks different. It looks more bearable. And so you could do this for yourself just for the sake of your health and well-being. It also will enhance all the other senses. So if something doesn't smell right, it's not right. Okay, if something doesn't look right, it doesn't feel right, it's not right. Not because you're just going on a superficial survey of your senses, but you've gone deep into your sensory uh, cortexes. And now you can really get a sense of, hey, what's really going on here? When you listen to these various channels of propaganda, be it right or left, you ask yourself, what are they trying to sell me? And so when something comes up wrong, you're not so tribally attached to one narrative that you can't say you're sorry or you can't correct or your eyes don't go blind when something reveals itself in front of you because it's not coming from the way that you wanted it to be. And this liberates you. So you're no longer caught up in all of this stuff. It no longer makes you mad or stressed out. You have a certain outlook on the world. And let's appreciate for those people who are younger, who are 60 or younger, you're inheriting an interesting world. For those of us who are older, we might just throw a match on the fire and walk away as we go into the abyss. So uh, when the little girl gets up yelling about global warming, she's, wasted, she, she, she's talking to a young audience. Old people don't care about global warming. Let's be real. We got a few more minutes left in this show. We, we, we did all ours. We cold rolled. We, we dropped cyclamates. We put cyanide in the water as best as on the earth. We did all that. It's yours now. We we're like frat boys in an Airbnb. We trashed the house. It's all yours now. Okay? So I think for the young people, you guys have very different issues. And for those who have children 
who hope to leave something behind and your effort behind. Well, you don't know what, what they're going to do with your inheritance, but you, you, you can say as if you, the, the, the kids burn your body or throw you in a hole or whatever, they can say, you know, my parents really tried to make the world better. Maybe while you're living, you wanna, your ego wants to imagine that that's what they're going to say about you. Um, and so then you can do these things. You, you, you got to get away from the propagandists, the way from this. I, I, I feel like some of these cognitive elite are watching this happen and watching the world fall into chaos, confusion and divisiveness. And it gives them free reign to do some bizarre things that they're doing because we're all fighting each other. And we all just want the same thing. We all just want to live our life but we've lost our way where we feel like living our life meaning means we have to hinder someone else or I have to get in your way so I can have a way. It's, it's like the people on the freeway that don't want to let you over when you turn your blinker on. That kind of sickness, you've seen that. It's, it's a very sick, twisted thing that you just want to avoid or people who want to race you to the stoplight or you know, I use these traffic analogies because you live in LA and you're always thinking about traffic. But we can do something different. Those are the opt-outs. It's only going to be a small number of us because the average human being is comfortable being in a herd. Is comfortable being herded around. And the only time they, they're not herded around, it, there's a more interesting herd going the other way. And then if you don't like that herd going the other way, then they become your enemy. So if you see protesters pr protesting for human rights or, or against uh, uh, police violence, you hate them, and then you'll see other people feel that because they have to wear a mask that they're being treated like um, uh, those that were beat by the police, and they feel that because there's no compassion there. There's, there's, there, there, there's, a, there's as someone said, a false equivalency. You know, um, the peace people protesting these police stuff, people have been murdered and killed who, again, were extrajudicial executions. Somebody forcing you to wear a mask or, or mandate, uh, what's the worst thing you have? You get yelled at, you get a ticket, you don't lose your life. Your kid doesn't get slammed down on the concrete. You say, well, that doesn't happen. No, just, just Google it. Yeah, you know, so I'm thinking about this, because we always talk about what the solutions are. So we've talked about the problem, we've talked about this human construct where we've got this base need for self-preservation and that's strapped onto some higher consciousness and we need some harmony between those but it feels like we've lost touch with that ability to step back from ourselves and i'm going back to this book that you shared uh, which i mentioned at the beginning because uh, as we're talking um I'm, I'm remembering some of the conversations between oprah and this doctor uh, which are uh, which are laid out in this book uh, called what happened to you and the model of the brain that they talk about is that you start with all of the more primal functions. So when information comes in and we respond to whatever information we're getting uh, about the world, I mean, this could be what we see, what we taste. It could be discussions that we're seeing on the news, Fox, CNN. It could be what someone says to us. That information first goes to the more primitive parts of the brain. So there's more of this primal response, and if that is too strong, that overrides the reason. That overrides the higher consciousness. We can't even get to the higher conscious parts of the brain 
because the lower parts of the brain are shutting us down and they're putting us in survival mode. And when I think about some of the recent conversations I've had with people on topics that are divisive, there is that triggering effect. You can see it immediately that just bringing up certain topics or certain phrases or certain points of view gets people in a mode where they've shut down and they feel like they're fighting for their survival. So they have to beat you into submission. They have to assert their point of view. And there's no cost because they're doing this online. So you think about fight or flight. They don't have to go anywhere because there's no physical threat. So they can be as abusive as they want to be online. And if you're in that that mode where you feel like you've got to fight to live and all of this information represents this existential threat, whether it's to your point of view, whether it's your identity, whatever it is, that's going to shut down our ability to relate to other people. So maybe Z, as we close with this, I just want your perspective, because it feels to me like the solution to that is to calm ourselves, to get, to manage the anxiety, to manage the triggers. Help us think through that. I mean, how do we get to a point where today, for example, maybe I'm the type who's just very anti-Antifa. And any mention I hear of Antifa, I immediately think of people throwing bottles and I think of riots and I think of my nice cities being destroyed. And it's got this very visceral reaction uh, that it triggers in me. And because of that, I can't even listen to what anyone else is saying. I mean, uh, I might have a heart attack. Uh, so uh, I don't want to even be part of this conversation. Or if I do, it's like, why is this person being so stupid? I have to beat them down. I have to shut them up. What are some practical things we can do to get that response under control, you know, to, to calm ourselves uh, so that we can actually listen to whatever information is coming in instead of just reacting to it? Well, the first thing is the most difficult step is the tools of observation. Being able to sit in the center of the storm of your mind and observe your behavior. We try to become more responsive than to react to things. And you start little, just little bitty things. You're listening to the radio, just, just turn it off. It's not true. It may not be a lie, but because there is no rebuttal, there is no other opinion or idea that is zealously put forth, because of the omission, it is a lie. Because of the missing parts. If you're watching the news feed, endless feeds of disaster, there's a, uh, you want to identify what it's doing to you and be very careful because this is the hardest part because listening to your viewpoint is addictive. It's highly addictive. Somebody just, yeah, 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 you're great. Yeah, they're, 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 the enemy, the enemy, the enemy, the enemy, the enemy, the enemy. It's this constant beating, beating, and you hear it. Uh, there are certain radio stations I listen to and I just have to turn them off. Victim, 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 victim. I was listening to you know, K Black or something, and then I would turn over to Fox News. This victim, victim, victim. Then this niggers, niggers, niggers. You know, it's just, it's just endless. It's just endless. Communist China, China. It's, I think about. Look at you. Why do you hate China? Why is it so easy to hate China? Raise your hand if you've been to China recently. I've been to China. Been some time. It was great. Why do people just hate China? They have no reason to hate China. They have no experience with China other than what they've heard. What about Russia? Now people, if you're conservative, you love Russia. When I was in the military, it was the Cold War. Russia was the worst thing around. Russia, I've been to Russia, pretty cool. Okay, I had a great time. 
I can't say anything about Russia based on my own experience. So when you're commenting and you're talking about how bad things are, observe yourself and ask yourself, have I been there? Have they done anything to me? That's all. Just ask the question. And if you answer no, then you have to say, why am I getting worked up? Why, why am I getting worked up over this? Because something has slipped into the sublime, into your subconscious. And, and, and really everybody think about that. You ever say, oh, it's from China. It's from, well, everything's from China. Harley Davidson's are from China. Right? Even the American flags they put on them are from China. So why do you hate China? Because someone's been whispering in your ear in an endless stream of information. Why do you hate or love Russia? All you know is what you know that's right in front of you. That's what you know. Don't And, and so when you check yourself, you can go, oh, wow, I can see I'm being drawn in. It's really unhealthy. Let me take a breath and kind of wash my mind. Let me dry my mind out because it's been brainwashed. So I'm, it, it's got me hanging out on the clothesline. I'm so brainwashed and saturated with this madness. So that mind-clearing exercise starts with little things like that. Is ask yourself when you, you get that real nice rush of dopamine when you hear uh, how bad uh, the right wing or left wing is. Why do you feel that way? That's, it's not true. People don't, I think halfway healthy people don't get up in the morning wondering how they could screw up the world. Like some mad scientist in a B-horror movie who wants to take over the world. Um, just try it. Just experiment with that. And then once you feel that draw, because you're, 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 it's going to mess with your brain chemistry, you're going to go, wow, that feels interesting. Everything seems different. You follow what I'm saying? Yes, yes. And just to, just <clears throat> something to think about. Um, this was asking, like, how do we, what do we, how can we help? How can we have people just think? And I wrote some some things down, which it which is which is to be still, to be in the now, to be open, to know. We have to think. Who am I? Which is asking us that ask yourself that question: Who am I? Who am I beneath the surface? The importance for you to look beneath the surface, to focus on a deeper aspect of whatever that something is, and it goes back to overall to be open and honest. That's right. That's right. That's good, Peace. That's a really good summary, and I'll leave it right there and just pass it over to Vin. That was great, Peace. Yeah, I think we can close over here, Z. I would just echo one of the things you said. I mean, we're in this strange time of misinformation where we hear things and information travels around the world. We don't know what's true, what's not. Getting back to your direct experience, in my view, is a powerful thing. Uh, maybe in these times we have to put more weight on that, even more weight than we normally do uh, because ultimately that's what we can trust, the things that we can see, that we can feel, that we hear directly versus hearing it on social media where someone's got an agenda, where they're trying to manipulate us to think or act in a certain way. 
so I'll close with that. I mean, agree 100% with what P said. And, and just on top of that, let's, let's get, get back to ourselves, our, our own interactions with the world, and not really rely on anyone else to, to tell us uh, what, what's true. Yeah, Vin, and, and we'll do it next time. And I just cheer to everybody. We're here to hopefully mitigate human suffering and ask, does your comfort and joy require someone else's suffering and discomfort? There you go. Peace. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.